All right, here we are again, Tony. Today, what are we going to be talking about? We're talking about screening because getting rid of people that stink in your properties is a nightmare. And it's even more of a nightmare whenever Uncle Sam says you can't get rid of them, even if you want to. All right. So we have some kind of like just tips, best practices today. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm the authority on this. Uh, and just a disclaimer, obviously, your local laws and governing bodies are going to dictate what you can and cannot do criteria stuff you can reject people on things like that um but generally speaking screening is your best tool to keeping yourself free from tenant tenant issues um because of my screening we even with covid we really only had a couple tenants that we inherited from old landlords so people we didn't screen only a couple people that ran into any issues so we you know haven't had really many problems at all with non-payment other than the people that we inherited so i like to think that my system's at least usable um we'll talk a little bit about that today and then i'm sure john has a few things too that uh that they do that yeah. you know well, you and I broke this down. We talked about this before the episode. So we basically have four areas, like kind of high level. So one is like, are they who they say they are? Do they live where they say they live? The second one is uh, their income verification. Third is credit and background check. And then fourth is sort of the other category. This is the soft stuff is what you described it as. Yeah. So let's get started with are you who you say you are? So we have, you know, verifying residents. Uh, from you, I have get their driver's license, then mm -hmm. look up their their stated current address, make sure, you know, the address they provided you matches the driver's license. Look it up on Google Street View. I believe your exact language was make sure it's not a car wash. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then you also have go look up their current address on the county site. The counting site being like the, the real estate parcel site, right? That's what you're talking about? Yeah. So when we're verifying that they are who they say they are, we're just talking about when they apply, is this a real human or is this somebody trying to like use somebody else or lie to you so that the better information comes up than who they really are? So a couple things whenever you catch liars in this instance, they're a routine. Number one, they'll tell you that their present address, their current landlord, it's not something legitimate. So they'll write down their current address. And you, if you search it on Street View, you'll find like an office building or a car wash or an empty lot or something stupid. That's a red flag to begin with. Additionally, they'll give you the name on your application that you should have them give you the name of their current landlord. So if you go online and you search their address, the landlord should be consistent. So if they say their landlord's name is Dan, then the name on the owner for the property should be like Daniel Jones, the worst quarterback in the NFL. Anyway, um, but, but uh Exceptions to that would be if it's like a third party manager 
that manages the building or if it's owned by an LLC or whatever, but sometimes you can catch them in a lie because they'll put their friend's name down and that's not really their landlord. Um, with the landlords, also, if it is a company or something like that, never, never, never call the number they give you. They'll give you their like ants number. Call the number for the management company directly that you find it online. So part just cross verifying information there on the, the residents, the driver's license you get because the driver's license address should come up as a past address or a current address when they do their criminal background, uh, their uh, credit and background check. So it should pop up as an address on that list. If it doesn't, it doesn't mean necessarily that they're lying, but it's just another flag that they might be kind of giving you fraudulent info. So that's on their identity. Um, don't know if, you know, uh, nowadays a lot of the credit and background screening will tell you when there's a mismatch. So if there's somebody that's lying, it'll pop up and say like social security number address mismatch or social security number name mismatch. And these are sometimes errors in the system, but it's always something just that means you want more verifying information. So you want something else that can verify that the person that's presenting themselves to you is actually the person that you were talking to. So, yeah. All right. Excellent. So let's use that as a segue into this next section of credit and background checks. And I think the, the most important caveat Should we is- include like income in this then too, because these are the basics, like uh, the stuff that you can like, you can reject people on fraudulent stuff. It's just, you know, a little bit harder, but I'd say the hard, the hard screening criteria are going to be credit background and income verification. Yeah. Let's do Let's do credit and background for now. And then we'll move into income. Okay. So credit, you can set it up as having a minimum score. Like that's pretty common. Like people will say you need more than 600 credit to like a 600 credit score to get in or whatever uh, under 600 credit. That's a useful thing. But in addition to the number, the raw score, um, we usually look at the whole credit report. So we'll look at like how many consecutive on-time payments you have. If there's any accounts like overdue, we'll even look at total debt obligation. So like if somebody makes $5,000 a month, that's great. But if they have $4,800 in revolving credit, like they have to pay, well, they don't have any money to pay you. So that's something to reject on. So don't just look at the score, look at the person's history of paying and their ability to pay. So that's uh, on the credit side and the that's, Credit's not too hard to review. It's all kind of right up in front of you there. Um, the only thing sometimes that'll come up, I see a lot. Um, like we'll say if there are accounts and collections that are generally a rejection, but there are occasional things where there are disputes that you need more information on. Like the most common one I see is like there'll be a cable company and it'll say they have $380 in collections. That's usually because they didn't turn in the equipment 
And then the company said, you owe us $380. And they said, well, go F yourself. I'm Come and not get it. paying it. Yeah. <laughs> so if that's the case, then usually I'll let that kind of stuff slide. Um, or like some people have medical bills from years ago that weren't paid. And then you can usually collect some more information about that to see if it's something that you might accept or whatever. As long as it's like a small amount of money, like it might be like 150 bucks for who knows what. Um, but so there are some things that will pop up that can be exceptions, but you just want to be careful with your exceptions because the more exceptions you make, the more you're at risk of fair housing violations because the more exceptions that you make to your rules and you should be documenting all of your rules, writing them down so that if you ever have a violation or you have somebody accuse you of something, you can say, these are my standards and those standards should be re revision controlled. So you should know what your standards were at the time that you rejected the person mm -hmm. um, so that you can say like, everything was applied consistently. So the more exceptions you make, the hot, you know, the harder you, you make it on yourself to, to keep things consistent. So be very selective in how you apply, you know, exceptions to any of that stuff. It's easier just to reject someone than to, to deal with it. But there are occasions in which it makes sense to do that sort of thing. Um, background is very similar. So background, you want to have a list of things that you will reject on. So that would be like their criminal history. So you want to have that documented and written down, especially with background, uh, some area, or especially with criminal, some areas you'll need to check your laws and guidelines because some cities, some counties, some states, it can be considered discrimination to reject based on huh. certain types of criminal uh, histories. So that's something that you want to be aware of before you reject people on them. Um, fortunately for landlords, most people that have really bad criminal history also have really bad credit. So you're usually not actually rejecting on the criminal history, you're rejecting on the credit. Um, and then you don't even get into the whole discrimination conversation because you're rejecting on financial ability to qualify anyway so fortunately that's the case you don't have to get into any kind of sticky situations with that um, but obviously if there are certain things like murder or whatever that pop up you just want to have written in your policies that you reject for murders and uh <laughs> <laughs> such is life there's usually like a statute of limitations with most crimes you want to be aware of that too like certain things kind of fall off their records at certain times so you just kind of want to know what that is and sort of apply it to your criteria too i mean you don't want to be i mean i guess my view is that if somebody served their time and it was something stupid they did when they're 20 years old and now they're 55 out of jail for 15 years, 20 years and haven't done anything wrong for that amount of time. Then it's like, that's why we have a policy in our 
documentation that says there's a certain time limit at which we no longer consider it because at that point they're probably i mean it's very unlikely that they're a problem so all right uh yeah i have no expertise there but yeah that uh, i follow what you're saying have your policies write them down use common sense and apply them consistently and you won't have any issues but if you start applying them inconsistently then you're gonna have problems yeah good luck with that all right let's transition into income and employment verification yeah so this can sometimes be a little bit tough um because people will give you pay stubs okay so number one thing is you got to look at the pay stubs not a very uh high bar to cross and you got to take a look at them make sure that they look legit like are they from adp or they from a payroll service most legitimate companies will run their payroll through payroll service i mean even me with one w2 employee we still use like quickbooks for payroll so it still gives them an actual pay stub that like looks legit if you get something that's like a handwritten piece of paper or like a word document or something silly then obviously that's a red flag but even if you get something that's legitimate make sure you're looking closely at name job title things like that because date on it yep date it's very common for people to do some like scanner modifications or they'll like put a new name over somebody else's pay stub. Like they might be a server, but their buddy's the chef and they get paid a lot more. So they're going to take the chef one and put their name on the top, like seeing stuff like that. And it looks sloppy, but people do that. And um, you want recent pay stubs. So two most recent ones. Uh, within reason obviously sometimes they're in the middle of the pay period and they are like well but it should be you know past two within a month within two months yep new so that's that's the pay stubs they want to be typically three times the rent in uh, gross income some people do four um whatever your policy is that's your policy you just gotta keep to consistently Um, some landlords, if there's roommates, some landlords will say that each individual roommate needs to make three times the income, which I don't do because you don't have a roommate because you can qualify on your own. So that's like, yeah, that seems a little excessive, but it is the safest way if that's what you do. Um, so then you're going to call and do the employee verification. So they're going to give you a manager. They're going to give you a company and they're going to give you a phone number. And what you're going to call it, what you're going to do with the phone number is you're going to throw it out and you're just going to look up the company online and call whatever the company's number is and weasel your way to the person. So that is their manager. So you're going to call receptionist. Hello. Can I talk to so-and-so? Well, what are you calling up? Blah, blah, blah. It's going to take some time, but you, you got to make your way through the actual company line, not the number they give you. 
because if you follow the number they give you, it's going to be either like cousin Tim, who, uh, you know, is doing them a solid for a couple cases of Snickers. I don't know. Uh, Very wholesome so, example. Indeed. indeed. Uh, so that's how you'll get a hold of the person. Now, a few other things that I do for this are a lot of big companies have dial by name directories. So I'm going to go call the big company's name, hit zero, start typing in the last the last name of the person, hope that they exist there. They should exist there. Uh, sometimes I let it ring. Variety is the spice of life. You know, got to live a little. I talk to the tenant on the phone when I get them. Hey, it's you. Hey, it's you. The creepy landlord dude that stalked me at work, I guess. Um, so there's that. And then uh, one, a couple things that come up consistently. So a lot of people don't have a job yet. They have an offer letter. So you're going to get the offer letter. You're going to call the company, verify that the offer letter is legit. Make sure that there's no reason the job can be canceled before they move. Stuff like that. That's a pretty common scenario. Another common scenario that's very annoying that you have to make an executive decision on if you actually want to pay for it or not is a bunch of companies now don't do employment verifications themselves. They have this stupid thing called like the, it's like the verification line or, uh, but if you want to do an income or an employment verification, it's pay 40 bucks or 80 bucks or whatever to the service. So oh. at that point, you got to do like a executive decision there. Do I really want to pay for this or am I going to roll with it? Depending on how many red flags you've had through the process. Oh boy. That's going to dictate what you do. So um, another thing that I do, I always search these people on LinkedIn, make sure their job on LinkedIn matches the job they say they have. Makes sense. Obviously somebody who's like a mechanic probably not on that is LinkedIn, LinkedIn yeah but if they're like software developer they're probably on linkedin and they're like, or like probably tedx updated. speaker author life coach definitely Tim on Ferris. definitely on linkedin yeah Everyone's so i favorite. think that covers it anything else that you have on employment and okay no that's i mean yeah pay stubs look at dates try and contact the company independently to verify. Usually, I mean, for now, you know, we email them, we'll email their manager. There's a domain name and uh, that pretty much answers the question pretty, pretty reasonably. That's cool. Um, yeah. So the last, the last category we have is the soft stuff, prior landlords, social media, what's their car look like? How do they dress needle marks in their arm? <laughs> so this is a very sticky subject because you have to walk a very fine line between discriminating and just you know using this information for what it is so i do search them all on social media and i'm normally just looking for like patterns of behavior so obviously if their profile picture is like them blowing weed smoke in the lobby of their apartment building. That's probably not a very good sign. 
the other thing too a lot of people are public about everything you can search to see like what kind of tenant they've been so you can look at like how much of a mess are they are they causing damages with giant parties at their apartments like uh, are they complaining about their landlord on social media all the time about dumb stuff? It kind of gives you an idea what kind of tenant you're going to have. Like if they're on there talking about how much of a slumlord their landlord is because there's a chip in their paint, then it's like, like one little thing, like something insignificant. That was what I thought of as insignificant. Then it's like, okay, this person is going to be a nightmare. So probably don't need to deal with that. Um, but you have to be very careful because it's very difficult to actually reject someone on that sort of thing. It's more just um, because obviously if they're otherwise qualified, you're probably not going to reject them. However, if there's two tenants that are equally qualified, and one shows as very professional, everything you search on them on social media, everything like that turns out to be really good, then obviously you're going to pick that tenant over the other one. But it's really tough if you're going to try to reject on something like that. And we, I've, I've never rejected on, on like a social media verification um, for that very reason but I've definitely looked it up to compare to tenants, like which one is more, mm -hmm. seems like a more responsible person based on these sorts of things. Um, and then the other thing with that too, is just general presentation of the person. Like, do they come on time? Are they on time? We do, uh, I do a stupid little test with the tenants that I, when I show properties, I actually keep track of. I don't show too many of them anymore, but when I do, I give them instructions that say, but 30 minutes before the appointment, you need to text me and tell me that you're coming or I won't be there. Why well, do group showings? So as long as one person texts me, I'm going to be there. But if somebody didn't follow the rules, and still shows up if they're otherwise qualified, like, yeah, I'm probably still going to take them. But if there's two people for the same apartment and one person followed the rules and the other person didn't, who do you think I'm taking? Because I want people that follow rules. I don't want people that don't listen to instructions. So, you know, little things like that, little tests, like, uh, do they have a super, I don't know. Do they look like a bum. Or do yeah. they look like there's something? We do like tenant cares. property fit. So even if we have like one of our properties that's not like super polished and super nice, but the tenant comes in and they look like meticulous about their clothes. Even if they really express like interest in the place, you know, some part of me is just like, I don't, you know, I don't know if this like, is this really a fit? You know what I mean? So it, we have it go the other way too. If they, if they're like really coming in and it's, it's a little more analogous to your, like chip on the paint, complain about the landlord kind of thing. It's like, yeah. you know, is, is this really the right place for you? Is this meeting your expectations really and truly? Or do you just like want to win now because you're competing for this apartment? Which is yeah. odd, but happens. And then I think you had a few, like you look at their car, don't you? And stuff like that. Yeah, I look in their car 
uh, I'm a believer that like, you know, the inside of their car is what the inside of your house is going to look like. Uh, and that's worked out pretty well for us. Yeah. People that like, you know, if you're showing up and you're telling me about your mother, that's in the hospital or something like that, as we're showing the apartment, I mean, that, that's not super exciting to me. That, that's a little concerning, right? If you're appealing to pity for me and that's not All the relationship we want to have. Yeah. Story people is a, probably a more polite way to describe it. But the main thing is like, look, we're entering into a business relationship. Yeah. I want to help you have a very successful living experience in this house, but uh, like that has nothing to do with me pitying you. Right. That, uh, that's not how this dynamic works. So those are, those are really the main ones. And then, yeah, I mean, like if they say they don't have a dog, but we see a dog on social media or if they're breaking the law on social media, or they say they don't smoke, but they're smoking on social media. Those are very telling things. So, yeah. And uh, would you? The one thing that you mentioned was um, I was trying to think when I I just lost myself. Man, we're un un unscripted and uh, unedited. The raw footage where I forget things. Um, it happens, folks. Senior uh, moment. Sorry, right, I forgive you. Tenant that matches the property, looking in the cars, social media, dog smoking, break law breaking. I don't know, dude. I'm trying. All right. It's well, life. so anyway, that's the rundown. So the, the four categories we discussed are confirming their current residence and who they are. You know, they are who they say they are. Street view, county website, driver's license, actually checking. Then we talked about credit and background checks. We basically said, you know, have a written criteria, follow it. Uh, I feel like you actually know the exact legal language here, Tony, consistently or something. Uh, just have consistency in the application of your rules. Not There you go. Consistent application of the rules that must be version controlled so that you can reflect them date to date. Um, and, and then uh, talking more about ability to pay than credit score. So kind of using you know, not these high level numbers, but like understanding the story of their payment ability. Then we talked about income and really don't take any information they provide you as accurate. You're chasing, you know, what is the company's website? What is the company's phone number? Who, like, you know, uh, get all this off uh, verifiable sources. And then we talked about the soft things, uh, you know, kind of the, the looksy feelsies. You can't really reject on that, but it can help you identify. Yeah. Uh, with that stuff, you just have to be really careful that you're not can't be construed as discriminating because yeah. you can't use it for that purpose. It's more just is this person number know, one or number two? Indeed. Indeed. All right. That was awesome. Uh, anything else before we hop off, Tony? Nope. Let's just tell them where to find us. All right. We're at B3RE. If you're listening, you already know where to find us. We're on YouTube uh tony's we channel are. and you can look for tony and Gotti all over the internet yeah 412 agent and call us 412-212-8366 and we go. will take your input for the show possibly play on the air anything we can think of <laughs> there we go thanks for listening we appreciate it give it a like or a subscribe bye nice. everybody zip